Hello there. Uh, welcome to another sparkling episode of the Wolves Fancast. Uh, we're recording quite literally straight after the Arsenal Wolves game. I say literally straight after because I can see Mikel Arteta on my telly doing his post match. So we are literally recording straight after the game. And joining me today, I have Jordan Russell. Evening, good morning, good afternoon to all. I have Matt Guy. How are we doing, everybody? Hello. And I have, last but not least, Cully Kula. Hello, ladies and gents. Uh, so, today, we're going to be talking about the Arsenal game, which has just happened, as I say. And then also uh, previewing the Liverpool game. And then going to another few topics afterwards about our December fixtures and the return of fans to football. So, what I propose to do is, let's just jump straight in to the game. Uh, first off when the lineups come out. Tell me what you're thinking. So, George, get us going on that. What were you thinking when, when the lineups come out? What, what, what formation did you make out of that? Because it was obviously, before the game, it was a bit up in there what we were playing. But what, did you, what did you make of it? Uh, I think that the Adam was just trolling with that formation. I think as soon as we knew what the 11 was, it was sort of quite, for me anyway, I thought, right, we're playing 4-2-3-1 again. Um, I'll be honest with you, completely shocked, really pleased about it, pleasantly surprised. Uh I thought against Southampton we were good in parts, but the one thing I thought we lacked was that control that Nuno desperately wants. So I thought that we'd be going back to a five with Cody coming back in and um, just back to normal, 3-4-3, if it would have been my honest opinion. Um, I think showing, I mean, watching it tonight, again, you can you can see we do give up a few more chances by playing that way, but my God, we're so much more effective going forward. And, so much more exciting and uh, this is what I think for me anyway my personal gripe of it all is the pragmatism about it I've got no complaints playing like that every week because you are going to win you know we'll win more than we'll lose and granted you're going to get caught on the break occasionally but when it all comes together like that first half you know we could have been more than a couple up I'm sorry we could have been more than 2-1 up at half time I thought we were really looking up to be a bit further ahead what do you reckon, Gully, when you saw that um, graphic from the Wolves uh, official Twitter account, did you believe him when they said Neto was playing left right wing back? Or did you all think he was a load of old bullshit? <laughs> nah, not, not at all, not at all. <laughs> he, he weren't fooling me. Um, I, if, if I can give you an, uh, an image of, of how I felt, though, it was that South Park meme where the guys uh, jizzed all over the, the walls. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite exciting, I've got to say. I, I'll be honest, I wasn't surprised just because I think, um, you know, if, if, it, if it really came down to the fact that Cody wasn't available last week and that's why we changed our entire system from three years of, of playing it, you know, that's not sound, you know, if it was a business, you'd be calling it a single point of failure almost, wouldn't you? That it's, uh, you know, one man is missing and all of a sudden hell has broken loose and Nuno's decided to get all reckless on us. No, um, that's, a very, that's a very corporate term, that is good. Yeah, nice. single point yeah. of failure, absolutely. <laughs> Where is the contingency, guys? Yeah, yeah, so, uh, very Mark Corrigan about you there, Gully. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't, he, he hasn't got that recklessness about him. So I thought that it would have been a longer term plan to actually try and embed a bit of an alternative way of playing. As it's happened, um, you know, yeah, you're right. We, we there was a bit of shakiness about it. I'm sure we'll go into more detail about how the game went. But we've got a bit of a sp- surprise up our sleeves now, which you know we we can't say that we've had for a really long time. And um, we'll be keeping opposition managers guessing. I'm sure Arteta was not necessarily prepared for that. And um, 
it looked that way given how Arsenal struggled to kind of stem the flow of attacks from us. What do you reckon, Matt? Did you uh, do you think someone had impersonated Nuno and took over to, with that team and that lineup? I think. Well, all I know is the second I saw the lineup, uh, both teams were scoring both halves. Bet went on <laughs> because I thought this could, it could throw up any any score line really. Um, the pessimist in me thought we're going to be quite open here, and this is going to be a difficult one in terms of ensuring that we actually keep our defensive record as strong as it has been. But for another peep show quote, it was time to shit or get off the pot, as they say. <laughs> and it's one of these things that, you know, great teams manage these adversities uh, and manage these changes and, and change and adapt as, as, as and when they need to. And, you know, Arsenal going into the game had a pretty strong defensive record. Um, they had very, very similar problems to us in that they were struggling to score so it's it's good that for once it seems that we've been more proactive than reactive to to put in that corporate jargon so let's put this on ice take it offline car park it <laughs> and discuss it by the close of play i want to know if uh, george dog has got any blue sky thinking or is it for <laughs> us <laughs> he just wants to you know he's just uh he's protecting the house and he's protecting uh he's been watching us protect the back you know the three points. The last twenty minutes, I think he's just still in ground in that. So I do apologise for the big boy mark. Well, I want to get on to this um, this first half. I bet that first half, and I that was a bit different from what we're um, a bit normally used to. If I'm honest, um, there's so much to talk about in that first half. I'm literally going to throw it open to the floor, and obviously we're going to have to start off with that bit of a sickener at the start with um, with Jimenez. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I I watched. Uh, the games when I was on Sky on the um, the non-crowd option, the non-crowd noise option, yeah. and you, to be honest, when when those two heads clashed, you, you heard, you definitely heard it, absolutely heard it, and you knew straight away it was bad. But tell me, guys, what what do you think? What was your first reactions when when you saw that happen? It sounded like like almost like his skull had cracked. Like it, it was a really yeah, sickening is the only word you can kind of use to describe it. I think. And I mean, I I froze for a good ten minutes. I was just sat on the edge of my seat, like wondering what the fuck has happened. Because yeah. you, you don't. You, you, I mean, that kind of scenario happens all the time, and you forget how good Jimenez is at actually defending that part of the the, the pitch um, when corners are coming in. He, he seems to get his head on a lot of things. And Louise, if to be fair to him, you, there's no blame attached to Louise in this scenario. I have no, to say, of course not. Um, no, of course not. And I've seen, but I've seen, I've seen tweets out there suggesting that it was serious foul play, perhaps a bit reckless. But the ball's there to be won, and Jimenez is just beating him to it. There's no uh, malice um, suggested in, in that scenario. So I hope people don't go out and try and lynch David. Well, we know what the, the social media world is like these days. Everyone's looking for a villain of the piece. Um, but just hope Jimenez. Well, he sounds like he's he's on the road to recovery already, but just hope he hasn't got any lasting damage from that, which um, you know it was uh, it was really horrible to see. Mm. There was an element. All I could think of was the Ryan Mason injury from a few years back, and thinking of the worst case scenario, and you know the the visual that we got, we literally see him motionless, conked out completely on the floor, and as like time went on and time went on and there's like no reaction and then Louise sits up and you think, okay, so one player's okay and, and nothing's happening. You know, you're just fearing the worst that, you know, eventually 
something like this is going to we'll have the worst case scenario and you know if you if you believe in a deity pray to them that it doesn't happen you know to, to Jimenez at the time it's just an awful scenario that again no one's to blame for it it's just it's just one of those really where um at least for a good kind of 20 20 25 minutes maybe that half the result whilst not irrelevant it definitely had a dampener on it it didn't really matter what was going on like post that it, it really was a, a sickener to stomach yeah for me i think it's um after that the, the three points wasn't necessarily important in terms of you know it's it, there's more to more to it than just you know the football game and how he went down and like I said the sound it was like throwing a brick off against a brick wall sort of thing it was just such a massive thud and yeah watching someone motionless like that it's uh you know you knew it was bad instantly and I think that ultimately you know football's a contact sport and stuff like this does happen and good is highlighted already I can, I can only imagine I've not been on social media yet or anything but I can only imagine the sort of stuff that's being said to David Louise, and I just think anyone who's doing that, it's just sick. Like, you know, fucking scum. Like, don't, don't, don't start digging him out for that. It's a contact sport. There's no malice in it whatsoever. And you know, you could see how visibly upset he was by it all as well. And it, it's, you know, it, it's a complete pure freak accident. And all that matters really is Raúl gets back to, you know, to full health, and whether that is in a month's time or 12 months on just it, it's you know it's big much bigger than Wolverhampton Wanderers and our season so just hope it gets better and on the road to recovery absolutely and I think um judging from what's been said at least so far and this obviously it's still quite fresh is that he is awake he's he's talk he's he's, he's responsive in hospital which is a, a good sign um but I guess it, it is early days yet and there's obviously a, a, a protocol to follow in regards to these sort of injuries, so hopefully in the next few days that you know we'll be able to learn learn a bit more on that. But all best wishes to Raúl, of course. Um, a question that I had, and actually one of the questions that we had um, on our Twitter page, uh, a Twitter question that come in was around concussion protocol, and obviously David Lewis come off the lesser of the two, but was still pretty heavily bandaged up, and you know had a. I think it was called out on Coventry, had his bandage eventually resembled somewhat of the Arsenal goalkeeping kit that night. But was any of you a bit surprised that he actually stayed on and managed to play at the rest of the half? I wasn't, me personally, I wasn't completely surprised that he, mm. he actually went off at half time. But were, you actually, were any of you actually surprised that he carried on straight after the incident? I think that that's um, a potentially a. Um, a factor based on the kind of the current rules in play and commentary um, talked about, you know, the talk for potential con- concussion substitutes on the back of it. And actually, if there was more of a, a process put in place for this scenario, he wouldn't have been on. I think it was, um, I think it was reckless and I think it was, um, morals a little stronger, I guess, but I think actually that the medical staff, yes, he might've passed concussion protocols, but you've got to sometimes just, think of the welfare of the player. I don't think he should have been on the pitch. You know, he clearly wasn't in a right... He, he clearly looked dazed and, and, and his eyes were glazed over. I didn't think he had any place being on the pitch, personally. No, no, he... Um, 100%, I think you bang on with that. I think that... I was shocked that he stayed on the pitch. And um, I think... Again, I was just watching him. I was sort of focusing on him then for the, for the rest of the first half. And I don't think he passed the ball. But I think every time he tried to play a pass run if it was misplaced, mistimed and you could see he was visibly not there and I think that again it's much bigger than again much bigger than football stuff like that it's got to be taken seriously and it's ultimately 
you know, as a footballer, you know, to the level that, you know, I've played at in the past, or likewise, anyone who's listened, you're always going to want to carry on or think you can carry on. But ultimately, sometimes you've got to be taken off for your own good. See it in boxing where boxers don't want to carry on, but ultimately the corner have to get involved just because you're being too brave or you just want to do it. Like, if you've got the, the collision that he's had, I'm not being funny, if he's past protocol, concussion protocol, there's no way he's thinking straight. So I, I think that he should have been brought off and, you know, he did rightfully come off at half-time, but that should have been done 35 minutes before that actually happened, to be fair, in my opinion. The the thing is, uh, he's he's played on for probably, what, another 35, 40 minutes, uh, at which any point, you know, because you can't change the rules of the game. He's going to be going up for aerial battles throughout the rest of that, that time on the pitch. And he's already, you know, more susceptible um, than any other player on the pitch, just down to the fact that he's, he's obviously suffered a head, head injury. Um, and look, this is football. We know this stuff happens. We've seen it all before. And, um, you know, it, it just, it's just a dereliction of duty, really, from on, on many people's part. They obviously came around to the right decision in the end at half-time. But there has to be something in place here. I mean, I think rugby is, um, is one of the, the sports that has this rule in place. And the other thing is... Considering, you know, that you've got three substitutions as a maximum, how much of a disadvantage is that to any football manager to, to have to use one of those on a scenario that you, you can't you can't you can't justify that in my eyes? It's 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 a really you know horrible position to be put in to say I'm I'm now handicapped as a result of something that nobody you know could have had any control over that situation. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just it's not scenario where. Rugby's clearly, uh, you know, ahead of the game in terms of um, their, their own thinking behind it, and uh, football needs to do some catching up. Definitely, I definitely go. I was, re- I was really, really surprised to uh, to see him stay on. But um, I'm, I'm more better news. What, what else I was surprised about was that we've got some first half goals to talk about in the Wolves <laughs> game as well. It's something which, to be honest, I, I, I didn't really have down for coming. So let's get talking on our first goal, um, Pedro Neto. Um, again, I'll hand it over to the floor. Who, you know, what what we're we thinking of Neto again being on the score sheet for Wolves, and from a great move from Wolves, really. It came down to people getting into the box, I think, which you know you don't really associate well until we've obviously changed shape. You know, you've got Dendonka hitting the box. He's obviously had a good chance to score, which he probably should have taken. Mm. Um, Troyore playing to his strengths, you know, getting down the wing, beating his man, and putting a nice cross in. And, you know, you've you got people backing up the play and picking up the pieces, which, yeah, isn't always the case. And, um, you know, it just goes to show sometimes weight of numbers that you can you can make something happen with that. And uh, Neto was obviously first in the rebound and he's he followed up nicely. But you don't that doesn't happen if you haven't got the the bodies actually going into the box to, to kind of take advantage of that. If Dendonka, you know, Neto isn't going to win the header that Dendonka won. You know, just as an example, you need his physical size to actually get on the end of that first cross. Um, so, you know, it's, it's it's all very positive just by um, having that extra kind of weight in, in in the in the area. Yeah, I think it allows you to play in the formation of playing allows you to overload that box, and you know, every time we put a cross in, or the majority of the time we put a ball in, there was at least three people in the box. And last season we were relying on the wing backs. Um, to do that where Doherty and Johnny would come into the box but it was always like a late run or a late surge and often there'd only be two people in the box three absolute max whereas with that formation 
because they're that far, you know, they're another 30, 20, 30 yards further up the pitch. You're already pr- pretty much in that proximity of getting into the box anyway. So I think the overload showed on a few times. I thought we were really unlucky not to score a few more off crosses tonight, if I'm being completely honest. And uh, yeah, Neto again, what can you say? I thought he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I think that he's just growing as a player, becoming more reliant on him. I think he's physically getting better. He seems to be getting quicker. He, he, just everything about him just seems to be getting better and better and better. So long may that continue. Mm, absolutely. I think what's interesting is actually with the exclusion of Jimenez, the creativity actually means that for other, for other teams, you don't, you know, if, if Jimenez is on the pitch, we know that Troy Ora is going to bomb it up, cross it in, try and get him on the end of it. Whereas we have to come up with, with a plan B. And, and, and the most exciting thing for me and the thing that's given me the most joy is actually very, very quickly we've come, we've turned the style of play around to use these like marauding forwards that can interchange on the wing and can actually then bomb into the box. How many times when Silver came on did we see him like bomb into the box to get on the end of crosses? Albeit he didn't, fair enough. But that's something that we're not we're not used to having our fast-paced wingers and actually then getting into the box. Like if this was FIFA, it would be getting boxes one of their tactics. That never happens. We don't play like that. We play we, we play with target man. So it, it's really good to just see that um, that kind of style change as a result, like, you know, making chicken salad out of chicken shit, really, with the injury. Nice. <laughs> well, one thing, I mean, I was probably as, as grateful as everyone to see Nuno would sort of the handbrake off a little bit in the first half. And it was probably one of the more entertaining first halves. Well, let's be honest, it probably was the most entertaining first half that we've seen this season, not just as a spectacle, but from a wolf side itself. So much more creativity and flow going forward. Um, but I guess also with you know buying a byproduct of that is that yes, there will be more chances created for the opposition at, the, at our end. And ironically, just before you know, just before that Arsenal did score, you know, we saw Cody make a you know absolutely amazing uh, interception to stop them scoring. Although. You know, sadly, you know, Gabriel equalised just after. But was there any was there any blame apportioned to anyone for, for Gabriel's goal? How, how did we see that one? It's a tough one. I mean, I think Marcel uh, had him in terms of like marking as a man, but there was a, you know the body was on him. It's not like someone fell asleep and 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 failed to track the man. It's just that he got to the ball and a Wolves defender didn't. I don't think there was a lot. You could have potentially have dragged somebody out to put more pressure on the crosser, but apart, you know what I mean. It's it's one of those things, and I don't was think dig, was that was that was that a dig at Samay though, by the way, for falling asleep and losing his man as per I, last week. Would I would <laughs> would I do that? Yes, I will be later on in this <laughs> podcast. But um, but no, I don't think there's too much that you can attribute. It's one of those things, really. I think um, it's it, it's never great to concede a goal, but at least it wasn't because. We've lost the man to like a, to, you know, to a late run or something like that. I thought it was interesting that there were three of them quite in close proximity to Gabriel, and he still managed to, to kind of get his head on it. And I felt, without wanting to, you know, draw too much attention to the situation again, but the Jimenez situation when you've been in close proximity to something like that, and you've seen someone flying in to win a header, 
you know, you're, you're going to have second thoughts about getting up and, and putting your head in that situation yourself. And I felt there was a bit of a reluctance to go out and dominate that that situation. You know, one of those three players should be going out and dominating that and just, you know, heading it away. But not, none of them seemed to take charge of it. And I felt that was partly because there was a bit of a, oh, a bit, just a bit of hesitancy in, the situ- in, in that situation. And Gabriel, you know, fair play to him, went and stuck his head on it and, and scored. But... Um, Soft. It was a soft goal, I have to say, and it felt a little bit disappointing given how well we'd played up until that point. But obviously, we then go on to to still, you know, um, play to the right levels. Yeah, for me, tentative is the word I'd use. Um, I thought Marcel could have done more with it. Like you say, there's, you know, there's a few, there's a few people around him, and don't get me wrong, it's not a horror or shocker. I just think that, as you know, I want my defender. I want my defender to clean everything out there. And like I say, the Jimenez situation 10 minutes, 20 minutes early prior to that probably hasn't helped things. But in that situation, it wasn't like a whip ball in with pace. It wasn't, you know, you just want, you know, they could have quite easily gone and cleared it. But, you know, really nitpicking at like a very, on the whole, real good performance. So I'm not just tentative. I think we were just a bit tentative, a bit naive, but it doesn't matter really. We've got three points, haven't we? And then... Um... And another example of how our creativity was allowed to shine through today. How about that opponent's goal? And not just the goal, I mean the whole, the move as a whole. So breaking it from the back and Traore playing his part. Um, but someone talked to me about Pedenzi's goal and that little bit of a skill as well to flick it over the defender. I, I, I don't know anyone. <laughs> Maybe Messi might think of doing that at that position at that time, but... I don't know any other footballer who would have thought, you know what, just a little, little, little flick over the guy's head and let me, let me, let me jockey him. Uh, a la Jordan Russell will jockey him. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and to finish it that way, it was, it was unbelievable. But it goes to show that, you know, we haven't really got a player like him, I don't think. And um, for me, he's an absolute, if we're going to persist with this formation... He's an absolute shoe-in to start in that number 10 position because his, his kind of nimble feet, his, his sharp, you know, low centre of gravity in his turns and you know, people can't compete with him. Uh, he's not necessarily going to run away, run away with people with an absolute burst of pace, but um, his, his quick feet in, in tight situations, unbelievable. Really, really talented player. I love watching him. Yeah. X-Factors yeah. are what I'd say. Um, just... You, you you almost need that sort of player that can just change a game on on you know just with just a bit of pure magic and I think that he he has been in, I don't think we've really seen I still don't think we've seen the best of him I don't I still don't think no. he's had a run, running the team in his proper position and I think that actually playing him number ten you're going to see the real Daniel Pudence and I think that um, you know you see his key passes and chances created well up there in the league and what he gets brought off after sixty minutes every game so. I think I think he's a very special player. We're lucky to have him, and um, I think all four of the forwards actually contributed to the goal. Um, a lot, you know, watching it back, Fabio Silva was really, you know, brought the ball down, played a nice through ball to Troy Ray, and it was just, you know, just seemed to flow really, really well. And I think that if this is the new Wolves or the the Wolves that Nuno promised, granted we're not dominating the ball and dominating possession. This is this is the version of the Wolves team I want to see moving forward because I think it's exciting and like I said earlier, like we might we, you know we might lose the odd one, but I'd rather go down swinging punches like you know like we've done today. I know we've won the game, but that's how I want us to play moving forward. 
Mm, I was um, I was concerned that the chance had already gone because Podence was on the overlap, and obviously now he's gone for the gone for the headlines, and you know keepers made a bit of a bit of a shambles of it to be fair, but the composure just lift that ball gently over and then slot it in. It's sensational to be fair, and it's 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 things like that that just make you think we've got we've got the power and the and and the finesse and the creativity there to actually take a team that has had a defensive a strong defensive record prior to this and just attack them with such like tenacity and something that we've been missing for so many games now this season that actually it's really refreshing and the irony being the move was created by Troy Ore so far back on the pitch when we're mm-hmm. so used to him wanting wanting him to get up to the byline and, and cross in you know fair play you know not many people would have the cojones to to do a spin that he did and, and then get that ball out so deep onto the pitch because if he cocks that up and he gives away possession you're looking at a goal from an Arsenal and, point of view and to be fair Matt he, he did a couple of times well, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. He, he did but fair play to him he's going to keep trying it and he's brave and, and you need that in those uh, tight areas to open the game up for sure it almost seems like as as all, as previously been said Pedence he's not so much a winger as he is your number 10 isn't he behind a striker and we saw the better, saw the better in today, where you know, nothing, nothing overtly wrong with him from where he was playing for us up until now. But it just seems like we, purely based on the evidence of tonight, is that you, you were going to see much more different dynamic to him as a number ten. So probably would like to keep him there going forward if, if yeah. you know Dino allows the system to continue. If you compare him, the, this performance to the way he played against Southampton, where he was kind of shoved out into wider, I think you can defend him a lot easier in those wider areas. You can just, mm. you know, if you if you're most fullbacks in this league are quick, you know, they they they're, they're gonna, you know, ask you, you know, get get into a race with them and, and see how you get on. But you know, with Pedence, if he tries, he can shift it here and there, but he's not going to run away from people. And and having him in that middle part of the pitch where some of the plodders are, like Granite Xhaka. Um, <laughs> Then uh, you know he stands a bit much, bit, bit more of a better chance. I think. Uh, terrible. And, yeah. I, I've never seen him have a good game. Honestly, I really, I really haven't. I don't understand the hype with him. And I, I, if if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd have booed him off when he was. Uh, when he was <laughs> as well, yeah. I mean, so the first half was mental. I mean, and surely we all noticed that uh, Cody was popping up in the corners now as well. I mean, I don't. I really don't think that that was Nuno. In the dugout today, I just think it was it was an imposter because it was just all everything that everything we accept as normal was chucked out the window tonight in that first well not just in the first half but most of the game to be honest. So when I saw Curry going up, I thought, oh, what's going on here? It just, it's it, all bets are off now. But as we went into the second half, I kind of felt that, and you know, I'm interested in your guys' opinions on this. That second half. It kind of went a bit back to what we're used to, aren't we? As the first half with Wolves, I, th- I felt as if, you know, as Jordan said earlier, you know, Pudens exit stage left is not at the normal time of 60, 65 minutes, which I don't don't really want to see that to be honest. But you know, he he decided that two one he wanted to contain and almost you know shut up shop as it were to fire a bit, a bit of a cliche out there, but. Um, how did we see the second half going? Because I felt as if that we kind of invited Arsenal onto us a bit, and it got a bit hairy and a bit larry in, in you know in the last stages of the game. For me, thank God they're god awful at the minute. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah, because they've got no confidence, have they? And Aubameyang's 
not having a good season, to put it does, does, does look interesting, does he? No, he doesn't, know. And I think that, again, when, again, going back to sort of where I've criticised New in the past, that pragmatism and stuff, it just feels for me a bit negative. But when you hold out and you see out the game out, you can't moan. You've got the three points and that's it. But if you do that every time we take a lead into the second half, we are going to drop points doing that. Especially at a time in the game as well where I actually thought that um, we're on top of Arsenal even then. And I think that, you know, I'd much rather see us playing 20, 30 yards further up the pitch. But that's just not Nuno's philosophy. So you've got to get used to it. And like I say, when you come off the pitch and you get three points, you can't really moan with it. But I think a more clinical side, I even think if we played another five minutes, I think they might have scored. I think we were getting that much. I, think, I thought we were getting further and further back. But again, like like I say, once once you win two one, it's justified and everything he's done. They didn't have a clear cut chance, um, but I just felt like the pressure was coming, and uh, I'd rather be attacking and getting on the front football. I, I did feel like the ghost of the <laughs> FA Cup semi final was going to rear its ugly head again. To be honest, um, <laughs> and I, I, you know, we should be talking positives absolutely and. More panic than I think poor performance. Every time a ball was played over the top of Semedo, I was getting palpitations because I just don't think he can is as strong when a ball goes over the top of him in, in maybe in his vision or in his interceptions. I just worry sometimes that his defensive game isn't either as strong as it could be or it's just, you know, we're, we're utilising that player because we need that player in attack because that's how we've played so much before with, with Doherty. I think we we rode our luck a lot. And what was also really worrying is the amount of yellow cards that were flying out. Actually, how many of our players have got a yellow in a five-minute period? I think there was like three three players, including Bolly, had a yellow. So you can't make those cynical challenges that Tierney made when we were on the break. Um, I don't think it's something that we that Nuno can continue to do. So because if if we if we'd have played a Leicester, for example, and we allowed Vardy on like that we'd have conceded. It's just the fact that Arsenal are abysmal at the moment and Aubameyang should be fined a week's wages for his lack of enthusiasm <laughs> because there was a chance that he had when Patricio lost possession and he just jogged with it. Do you know what I mean? It, like, he didn't make any attempt to like give a first-time shot to try and get the goal and then he just fell on his ass and just got up and was unfazed by the whole thing. Really, dis- Not really disappointed because obviously better from a professional personally uh, I don't know guys I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I agree with the sentiment that we became negative I think you, you have to expect every team in the Premier League to react you know especially when you've got 15 minutes to talk about it at half time um, you, you know this is there's still good players that, that you're coming up against you know that an Arsenal will expect to have a period of dominance in the game and you're not telling me that in the first half we looked Absolutely solid, you know, un, you know, not gi- not giving an inch at the back. With this system and with this shape, especially given that we're only what a week and a half into playing it, there's going to be a few more mistakes. You know, Bolly Bolly looks a hell of a lot much a much better defender in a back three than he does in a back four. That's just normal. Um, you know, Semedo hasn't had to make a, a run back towards his own goal for the last three years. You know, there's, there's little things that will just take a little bit of time for us getting used to. What I would say is, if we decided to revert back to a 3-4-3 three, three, three at half-time in a 2-1 in a lead, 
I wouldn't have been too adverse to that just because I think it's not necessarily a negative system. We've, we've proven that we can play going forward with a back three. We've proven that we can, you know, over the last three seasons, pose plenty of a threat. But the, the, the thing for me is we're in the lead. You know, we, we, we scored two goals. We've shown that they have plenty to worry about defensively. So why don't we just shore up a little bit, you know, from our end? And I think the, the change to about three could have happened a little bit earlier. And once we did make that change, I wasn't worried. I, I've got to be honest with you. Um, I've got, I, I personally have this weird, you know, um, feeling when I'm watching on TV as opposed to at games where I'm a little bit more nervous. But ultimately, Arsenal were just trying to cross the ball into the box and hope something happened. There, there wasn't actually that much. And if we had Matt Murray in goal, as opposed to Rui Patricio, he would have come and cleaned everything out and, and you know, claim crosses for fun. And it's just, we've got Patricio in goal and that's, um, you know, he's a brilliant goalkeeper, but he's never going to come off his line to come and like, um, you know, take the pressure off his defence like that, unfortunately. So, you know, we've got to give and take a little bit here, I think. And it's, you know, I think Nuno's quite comfortable with, you know, just shoveling Arsenal out wide. Let them put crosses in. I don't think we need to worry about that too much. If they're creating chances through the middle, getting the ball into Aubameyang's feet and getting him in on goal, then then maybe. But that wasn't really happening. We just wanted to see more PlayStation football, didn't we? We just wanted to see attack. You attack. Sorry, the Hedgehog FC. Well, to your point, Billy, the commentary, um, I didn't know if I'd like misheard or, or like it cut out, but he went... Uh, Played the ball to the giant Max Kilman, as if he was like some kind of wrestling character <laughs> he, or something like that. He is tall though, isn't he? He's, he's, he's a big lad. It, just, it was just strange to give him like a, a, a moniker, like. Yeah. Well, it, um, it's, it's, it's not something other than futsal. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I don't think futsal bingo was completed tonight. I'm pretty sure it was never mentioned once. I no. think Sky Sports have banned it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. There was that moment, I think it was, it touched on, but did anyone else have a slight uh, brown trousers moment when Rui miscontrolled that oh, yes. uh, pass back? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know I did. I know I did. The problem was, as well, was he looked confused by it as well, because he was like, there's like a second where he was like, shit, I don't know, do I tackle him or do I, and he just sort <laughs> yeah, of just yeah, yeah. back, and I'm like, just do something, what are we going to do? Just, you've got to go one way or the other, and he was like, uh, 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 and they're just like hurried back, like Mr. Burns. It's a good, it's <laughs> a good job. It's a good job, like Matt said, that Aubameyang just couldn't be asked tonight yeah, because, yeah. like, otherwise, anyone, anyone else, something could have come of that. But I did just, I just, what are you doing? I just, I, I, it's one of them things on FIFA again. Not that I know because I haven't played the FIFA since 13. But when I did, when I pa- when I played the, the ball back to the keeper, occasionally it can go a bit wrong and you can miscontrol it, and that seemed a bit of a FIFA scenario to me. But what about the other? Talking point that second half. Uh, Traore, was it a pen? Was it a dive? Um, my my immediate thought was that it was a heavy touch and he'd kind of gone over just because he knew the ball was running out of play. Mm. Oh, yeah. To me, to me, no. And I, I know they've sort of, I know Don Goodman's trying to fight the corner for us all. Oh, there's a bit of a clip, but he was looking for it. And I think that there wasn't enough in it for me. I think he was looking for it a little bit. I, I think the yellow card's harsh. Yeah, I don't think it was. A, I don't think it was a dive. Yeah, I it's one of those things. And I think if VAR got involved and give that as a penalty, this is this is the this is the point with VAR. I, I mean, we haven't spoke about it, so let's just talk about it for two minutes. Like I saw, like you know, all the Liverpool players and like you know James Pearce from the Echo and Carragher and all these pundits. Like we've got to sort VAR out. 
like you can't have that you can't have that consensus consensus sorry or that opinion when it affects you like you've got to be when it when you benefit from it and when you when you when you yeah, get shattered by it and like yeah. if, 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 if um you know if they'd give a penalty for that tonight for Troy Allray, I couldn't get behind that. I'm sorry, I I, I couldn't. You'd have been loving it. Oh, we'd 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 have taken it. We'd have scored. We'd have taken it. Home, Matthew. We'd have taken it. Yeah, I'd have wheeled away in the living room and done a done a, done a little Chevy Coochie power bomb onto the yeah, floor. Yeah, um, But you know what I mean, though. It's like I don't want to see penalties given for that. No, I just don't. So yeah, no penalty for me. The the other thing is the the, the twats at VAR would have watched it in slow mo and made it look even more like it would have been a pen. And and you think. Football's not fucking played. And this is what Don Goodman was watching. He was watching a little slow-mo replay of, oh, he might have caught his shoelace or something. And, you know, that's a, that's a freaking penalty. But that's not a foul. That, I'm sorry. Like, it, it, it just it, it makes a mockery of the game entirely when you, you, you're putting it on, you know, a quarter speed or whatever they watch it on with these yeah. replays. It's stupid. You might as well not be able to tackle if you can't do stuff like that. Yeah. But, yeah. It's just, yeah. Like I say... And don't like, when they slowed it down, he's like, oh, he's caught his ankle. And like, come on, like, yeah, he has. But again, it's a contact sport. Come on, like, you can make yeah. a still. You can make a still have any any like agenda that you want. Really, you can have. You, you can find an angle to make it whichever story you want to present. So, I think at the end of the day, I, I think overall the ref had a, a pretty good game. All in all, I think I think controlled the game well, and um, it's nice that we don't actually have to. We're talking about this as an option, not that we have to. Do you know what I mean? It's VOR hasn't really its ugly head in a negative way, and we're actually talking about the the, the, the good football that was on show. Ninety minutes without any interference, which is great, honestly. It really is. So we weathered the storm then. The second half, uh, they didn't really have any shots on target. I don't think we did either. But we saw it out. It's got a two-one win. So to finish off on the game then. Tell me who your standout players and who ultimately gets your man of the match. I think that, I mean, and it's probably more of a discussion for, for Liverpool um, in the second half of this podcast, really. But standout for me, obviously Neto and Podence for their for their, their interactions with the goal. But, you know, Silver for coming in, he, he would never have expected to have come on when he did. And I think he actually showed a really excellent um, performance and I think one one thing that we've overlooked completely, um, because there's so much to talk about, is Cody's man management of Silva, in that he constantly was shepherding him over, giving him a little word here and there, probably calming his nerves in a way, um, and, and just giving him that kind of that leadership that he probably wasn't expecting, or that at least he really needed, because it was a, it was a situation that he could he never would have thought he was coming on until the 85th minute. So to be coming on in yeah. the 10th minute or the 20th minute, whatever it was, I think Cody deserves us to give him a bit of an accolade for that. Another reason for watching the game without the crowd noise is listening to Connor Cody because it is <laughs> unbelievable. There was one point where Marcel blocked a cross and he's like, Marcel, Marcel, fucking brilliant, mate. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you live for. You know, footballers, they're Sunday league at heart, aren't they? It's amazing. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, for me, um, for me, Cody, I just think he's um, he just I think he just continues to shock us all in terms of 
you think that he's sort of, you know, no one can doubt what a captain he's been and, you know, what a player he's been for the club. Mm. Um, I think he's already in folklore, no matter what he does from here. Um, but for me, he's just growing and growing and growing. And I just think question marks about, you know, can he play in a back, back two? You know, can he play for England? I just think he's just coming on leaps and bounds. And when you hear, like, the other week, Declan Rice talking about Connor Cody, like, you can see that what a, what a, not just a footballer, what a per, like what a bloke he is in terms of all round in leadership. The Fabio stuff tonight, little he didn't have to do that. You don't see a bad man going up to Joe Willett going, Come on, mate. Like that's proper leadership. And I think you know what, we're really, really lucky and fortunate to have Connor Cody. And um yeah, for for me, just run out of super you know, run out of the words, adjectives, whatever you want to call it. He's just he's just brilliant. I'm just glad that Fabio Silva understood what he was saying to be honest can't <laughs> 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 kind of been kind of easy just on Fabio as well obviously it's it's kind of the first real chance we've had to see him at, at the level that, that we need him to be at and I, I really liked what I saw to be honest I think you know being chucked in for, for the period of time that he had to play and be part of a really you know well functioning you know first half attacking quartet um, you know you You'd almost argue, you know, without wanting to make, you know, bad of Jimenez, he, hadn't, he hasn't played well recently, that, you know, Silva was contributing a little bit more than Jimenez had been recently. Um, just because I think he played with a bit of humility. He seemed to just do the right thing at the right time. And I think whenever he got on the ball, you expected him to make good use of it. There were a couple of times where he looked like an 18-year-old um, in some of the physical battles. But the other thing that I, I found really good about him was that when the ball was out wide, he kept making run, runs across the front post. And I was mm. I was reading, if you, if anyone's on The Athletic, there's an article with um, Gary Lineker um, kind of watching his goals back and he talks about this. And, you know, when a, a bloke scored more than 300 league goals, you listen to what he says. Um, mm. One of the things he consistently repeats is that you need to make a run across the front post. And that was Silva doing that as an 18-year-old kid. It was really promising to see, I think. And, um, you know, long might continue. And, there's there's plenty to plenty to work with there. He's he's going to be a player for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he was neat. I thought he was proper. You know, I think he like I say, it was his first test for us, and um, I think we've got a footballer on our hands. To be honest with you, don't get me wrong. Like I think he's got to bulk up a little bit, and you know he's got to grow into his body. He's 18 years old. You know what I mean? And like you saw it with Neto last year when Neto first come into the team, he was quite slender, and then went away for a few few games then you just start to bulk up bulk up and now look at him so I think with Fabio Silva just persi- we're going to persist with him I think I think we've got a real I think we've got a future star on our hands and I think that I don't want to big him up too much but he really impressed me tonight for an 18 year old mm. being thrown in the deep end and you know I think he passed it passed the test for me there was one major disappointment in the game for me and that's none of the goal scorers running up to Arteta with a shirt saying that was familiar that's the one thing I wanted that's the one thing I wanted come on now we need justice we need justice nine years later this is this is a thing where in an empty stadium I I remember that happening and I feel like the Arsenal crowd got him sent off as much as anything Mm. just because of their reaction to the tackle and in an empty stadium I think it has an impact on referees in in terms of being able to make more sound decisions and thankfully obviously nothing really like that happened but um, yeah, justice, justice familias for sure. Hashtag justice familias. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, justice was indeed served tonight. First win 
at Arsenal in, I think, is it 41 years? 41 so, years. I just, I just wanted to say one last thing about, about the game today. I think far away. We can, we can kind of, we're all kind of a bit guilty about, tr- you know, treating players and, and like the sport, like it's a bit robotic, a bit scientific. And yeah, you know, I, I do it myself. I make tactical videos about, you know, shapes and all this kind of shit, which, you know, it, it, it kind of, it foregoes the, the idea that football is a human game ultimately. And, the players today, having seen Jimenez, you know, their mate get knocked unconscious, you know, almost head split open or whatever has happened to him, knowing that he's going away to hospital, still not probably knowing what kind of damage he suffered, to then actually play the way they did is a real credit to them. I think mm. you have to you have to really kind of, you know, put your you know, round of applause to every single one of them for just getting on with the job, doing the business and you know, getting the three points on because there's no way you know, many people, you know, like I say, I was, I was frozen for 10 minutes just after that happened just because, you know, your thoughts are straight away with him. And how can you then go out and play a game of football, you know, in that kind of mindset? Yeah. And fair play to them all, honestly, brilliant. Absolutely. Standing ovations all around for Wolves and well-deserved three points for us, which takes us up to sixth in the table. So we'll have a break now. And then when we come back, We'll uh, just quickly touch on our next game, which is against the champions, Liverpool. Hi, Richard here. Before you go back to hearing us dissect the latest Wolves news, some really shoehorn Simpsons references, a bit of 90s film action, of course, a bit of wrestling. Um, I just want to do a quick shout out for our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Now, they've done a fantastic job on the Wolves Fancast website, WolvesFancast.com. Please go check it out. But they're not just web designers, they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. There's basically nothing they can't do marketing-wise, so make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com and I'll let you get back to enjoying the show. Right, and uh, welcome back. And uh, as I said before the break, we are going to now just briefly touch on our next game, which is against the defending champions, Liverpool. Now, I I really wanted to try and preview this game without mentioning he who should not be named, our former player, Diogo Jota. But unfortunately, there's probably no way I'm going to get to preview this game without mentioning uh, the only reason why, I, I dread it when Jota scores because every WhatsApp group I'm in lights up like a Christmas tree with the words, the words, <laughs> the, 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 word, the words normally Jota again or Jota scored again. And then after that follows another conversation of why we shouldn't have sold him. But, um, well, let's talk about him very, very briefly. He has hit the ground running. No arguing that since he's been there. But, um are we surprised or not surprised with how he's got on at Liverpool thus far? I'm not surprised. No, I'm surprised. I think he's... Um, I've said it on this pod last season that he was my favourite player of this era. Not because he was the best, but I just loved his tenacity and his... He got it, don't get me wrong, he got a bloody... He got a stinking missing him. But he, I just loved everything about him as a footballer. And I think that going to Liverpool, um, you know what? Like he's, he's just a clock player, isn't he? tenacious, driving forward. And the difference is he ain't going to be getting, with us, he was getting one or two chances a game. There, he's getting five or six. That, that's the difference. Yeah, He's going to score goals in that team. 
you could put a lot of players in that Liverpool team and they're going to score goals. It, you know, you could take, you could take, I don't know. Let's just, I'm trying to think. Well, I can't even think. Just anyone out of it, any Grant's other team. Holt. He could <laughs> score. No, no. I'm trying to think of someone. Oh, I can't, you know what, forget about it. I'm not going to try and dig out someone like Jota. <laughs> but uh, Grant Holt definitely won't be scoring these goals, but Diogo Jota is. So, uh, yeah, fair play to him. But, you know, it was a good deal all round, I think, at the time with the money we got. We said that at the time. Reality, I, I wish we got another five, ten million out of it. We probably could have now. <laughs> but, yeah, he's, you know, fair play to him. He's, he's, he's in a good, um, good streak of form and no doubt he's, you know, we're going to have to sort him out on Sunday. Royce, you, you forgot to ask who my man of the match was uh, for the Arsenal game, and it was Diogo Jota. No time for an edit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I th- I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm doing Dan's not in at this point because I keep reminding him of um, you know, the fact that you, he is a big miss. I, th- I think he's a big miss. Of course he is. Um, yeah, we, we can you know laugh at the fact he, he only scored against Brighton and, and Norwich and, and so on last season, but you know those are all goals that you're gonna have to replace at some point this season. And to be fair, we um, we might be looking like we're doing it now, but you know it's um it's it's amazing to see a player leave Wolves and actually prosper because I can't remember the last time it actually happened. Yeah, you know, even ba- even yeah. Bakri Sacco left Wolves and and he, he went into the Premier League and. You know, he managed to get injured and it was a bit unfortunate and stuff but he, he wouldn't say he prospered and actually had a better career after. You know, we've become a bit of a graveyard uh, of, a, of a football club to certain <laughs> players' careers um, but you know fair play to him and uh, it will be, the fact of the matter is he will be very likely to score this coming weekend but that's the player he is he is, he is that kind of guy and there's a, the Athletic owe me some commission now because I'm going to point out another article but um, there's a deep dive on, on Jota's kind of upbringing and his, um, his, his career so far and you just see that tenacity that he shows on the pitch and whatnot you can see why um, he's, he's got that kind of mentality he's, he's an absolute you know he's a fighter and, I think um, I read that is that when uh, is that where Madrid passed up the opportunity to buy him back was it yeah, for £20 million pound buyback fee, apparently, which uh, Mendes has got everyone on the strings, hasn't he? That's what, uh, <laughs> I think it's one of these where if we're not going to, if we physically can't get the best out of him because we don't have the quality of players that Liverpool do, then the deal is best for all parties involved, agent included. So we draw a line under it now. We just hope the Bolly snaps them in two the second the game starts and then problem solved. There you go. Yeah, not, not, Sal- not Salomon, Ifamino, Robertson. Don't need to worry about it. Nah, man. I'm happy for Firmino to start, to be fair. <laughs> the non-scoring striker. Hang on, what, what, someone described Firmino as the best defensive striker. I'm like, come on, what is that? What is oh, this sorcery now that we're talking about a defensive striker? Such a weird, weird thing to describe someone. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... Chances are he, he probably will score. I, I'm talking about Jota now. Chances are he probably will score. But yeah, I just think that, as you guys have said, sometimes just the things it just he just clicks on at certain players, certain clubs just clicks with players, and he's probably surrounded by players who can make him flourish more. So uh, I wholeheartedly agree with Matt when we say draw Andrews and let's never mention the guy's name ever again, <laughs> even after even after the game against Liverpool. But I mean, how do you see the game against Liverpool going? Because like I've got. Um, a bit of an, a growing injury room at the minute. I mean, at quick counts, I've got 
you know, Van Van um, Van Dijk is out, Gomez, Thiago's out, Oxide Chamberlain, possibly Milner and Alexander Arnold are out. So have we got a chance? We've, we've always got a chance. We've got a, as, as better chances we're ever going to have, especially if we play a formation that allows us more chances at a makeshift back line. We've got a, we've got every chance. I mean, they haven't looked they haven't looked like champions since the start of the season, have they? So mm. there's, every, there's there's absolutely every opportunity that we can get something from the game. I've, I've no doubt about that. I'm, I think we're due a, a, a win against these guys. I think we've we've played pretty well in in every game we've come up against them um, since we've come back into the Premier League. But you know, for one reason or another, they, they are a clinical side, aren't they? And I don't think we can get away with defending the way we have been the last couple of games against Liverpool. You know, they they, they would have taken advantage of some of the situations that Arsenal seem to pass up today. Which means I'm erring towards the side of going back to the three at the back, just because I think we can still pose a threat from there. I don't think, you know, playing against Newcastle with a back three is a very different proposition to playing against Liverpool with a back three because Liverpool will come out at us, they play a high line. And if, like we say, we've got Sonny the Hedgehog, Hedgehog FC up front, you stand, you stand a chance against them. They will always give you chances, but you need to keep the back door closed. And um, that's my concern at the moment. My reluctance or my apprehension on the game is going toe to toe with them because they're a back, they're a better attacking outfit than what we are. But at the same time, they're going to be having got Nico Williams, Nathaniel Phillips, Championship players. These are so I think maybe we do just go and just see where it ends up. But it could end up like a basketball score. Jordan, some well, scouts, some scouts is going to clip that, and you'll be all over. Why don't Dan clip it up, and we'll just have to take LFC, and they can come after me. Are we talking to the Anfield rap this week? Are we going to use that as bait for yeah, him this yeah, week? I'm sure they'll agree. I, I just think that um, for me, I think there's as good a time as any to just go and trade punches with them and see what happens. Come I on, mean, PlayStation it, football, come on. <laughs> Villa scored seven past them pretty much doing the same thing so are we better than Villa so we should score eight I don't know Jordan are we better than Villa <laughs> I don't know I, I think, I, think I, don't, I didn't really want to answer that uh, <laughs> it's easy to say after a win I think, it, I think it's closer than this season what it was last season put it like oh, that that's but, for sure, that's for sure. Um, but um, yeah for me I think it might be the time just to trade punches with them and it could end up I don't know, could end up 4 3, 5 4, whatever you want, but we'll definitely have chances. Nuno's worst nightmare, that is. What was it, Dan <laughs> said? He, he, he wanks <laughs> off to clean sheets. Imagine what he does to 4 yeah. threes and 5 4. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I do think, though, I do think that's the best way to play against them. You see, like with, um, yeah, by me, don't lose many. They lost at the weekend. Like, the, you know, I, think, yeah, I think if we just camp in and sit in against them, like they do to a lot of teams. They'll, they'll roll you over at some point. The, the too good of a team going forward, not take a chance and too clinical. And someone's got to end that streak, so let it be us. Is that a bit of an oxymoron that Nuno wanks onto clean sheets? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got to Poss- clean them again. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what he does next the, the next game, doesn't he? Let's clean that sheet again. He only changes it when he gets a clean sheet. Literally. <laughs> All right, well, um, let's have a round robin then of, of our predictions then for the game against Liverpool. George, what do you reckon? I'm going to be positive. Go on. I'm going to say 3 1 Wolves. Like it. Matt, Matt, what are we saying? Uh, I'm going um, I'm going 2 2. I think it's going to be goals, goals, goals. And I think their quality will keep them in the game. But I think actually we'll overrun them and they'll be lucky to get away with um, They'll be lucky to get away with a draw. Liverpool, that is. Nice. Uh, Gully, what do you reckon? I've got 2 1 Wolves. Yeah. I don't, I don't see a score in three. We, 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 revert, <laughs> we revert to our clean sheet um, mantra after two goals, don't yeah, we? I've just, told, I've just told you, Nico Williams, Nathaniel Phillips, a fucking championship player. Click <laughs> that. Doubling down on that now. <laughs> so, as we move into December then, that's obviously our, our first game of December next Sunday, which is on Amazon Prime. And then we've got, obviously, as most people have, a bit of a, a fun fact... Uh, from packed December fixture list. So just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on our December fixtures as a whole and certainly like the the close fixtures around Christmas itself. So we've got after Liverpool we've got Villa away, then three days after that Chelsea and then a week after Burnley and then in comes this like contest uh, you know it's hotly contested uh, 48 hour streak of games. So we've got Tottenham on sadly no longer the Boxing Day fixture but on 27th of December. I know Gully it's Killer that isn't it? Shit. And then um, yeah, is it 48 hours after that we've got Man United. So you know, are we seeing this as a difficult December, or is it a case we've been here before? We you know, we played two top teams. You know, we four hours of each other, and we've acquitted ourselves well. How are we seeing it? Just on just on that 48 hour gap, I think Fulham have got more than three days in between their two games over that period, um, and we've got yeah, like. It, uh, how they can come up with that kind of scheduling, it, it, it's absolutely outrageous. In a season where it's already tight as it is, and mm. you know, people are picking up injuries, it's a fact. You can see it already, and, and it's it, uh, fuck them, fuck the lot of them, honestly. Yeah, it, it is bollocks, <laughs> and I think that you know, Klopp was very salty about how he went about it yesterday, but he has got a point, Annie, when Liverpool played Wednesday, play half 12 on Saturday, and then West Brom, Sheffield United playing at 8 o'clock. Villa West Ham's Monday eight o'clock. You know what I mean? Like sort of that scheduling. Like we don't. Mm. What, there's no. There's no. What's the rationale behind it? Well, you you answered your own question though. There in the who what, nobody wants to watch Albion Sheffield United, so they put it on a shit time slot when everybody else is watching Strictly or everybody else is <laughs> doing something else. Clubs are more than happy to take the payday of these lucrative TV contracts. So unfortunately, you can't bite the hand that feeds you. The lucrative slot is half past twelve. So clubs that are attract the most eyes have to play in those fixtures. If you don't like it, don't take the money. Rant over and sort wrap. Have that. See, Matt's in the corner of the Premier League. He's going, fuck the clubs. Everyone else is going, fuck the Premier League. Matt's saying, fuck the clubs. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's, you can't have your cake and eat it. You can't expect these massive paydays. And when you know that you are the feature attraction around the world you're going to be put in these time slots because that's when the most eyes are on the are, are on the TV and broadcasters want the most amount of eyes so they can sell their advertising time to other people simple economics the clubs don't mind, the clubs don't mind when they can spend 80 million pound on a Harry Maguire or they can spend xyz amount on this tough shit you accept the money <laughs> accept the responsibility for it simple as that 
like it. I, I, yeah. <laughs> That's powerful, that was. Jesus Christ. Sorry, mate. <laughs> we should send that to... <laughs> Just because we've clubs. got Fosun's money, innit? You're allowed to scream at the people. Listen, listen, we're not the ones moaning. We're not the ones moaning. I love, I love it. Nino embraces it, if anything. He, love, he loves it. Yeah, whatever. Bring it on. Yeah. So, um, just to sign off, uh, boys, I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, obviously the news that we've had uh, in the past week about the return of fans to football. Sadly, you know, because tier three, are we? We're not actually going to get to return to football straight away. But my question is kind of twofold, really. One, are you personally comfortable in returning to a game? And two, a bit of a wider question, do you really believe that fans in the stadium actually make a difference to a team's performance? A full house does, yeah. Like, but... People moaning about, I don't get this whole obsession with, you know, people saying there'll be 2,000 fans at Liverpool or Anfield next Sunday or, you know, the London games. Like, 2,000 people in a 50,000 seater, for me, is not going to make much of a difference of an atmosphere. It's going to be really flat. It's going to be, you know, I don't think it has that much of a bearing on the on the, uh, on the the result, personally. Um, in terms of about being comfortable about going back or not, I think it's... It all goes down to yourself. Like for me personally, this is personal preference. I'm not one to say on Twitter, oh, I'm, I'm, I can't follow the Wolves because I want to go with 40,000 people there. Blah, 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 blah. Typing away. Like, you know. Puppet hands. That's the, that's the that's, you know, keyboard warriors. Like, oh, it's a shame. It's oh, something on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 no. yeah, oh, let me get my 100 likes on Twitter. <laughs> Who cares about your opinion? Like genuinely, like for me, I I will not go back to the to a game until it's a full house, until it's the right setting. For me, there's a lot. You know, I want to go back in that real. Mm. You know, I, don't, I don't want to sit there in a mask and not be able to sing or not, you know, and just sit straight forward and have a gap. Like it's not football for me. I'm quite. I'm not happy with how it is at the minute, but I'm quite comfortable now that we've been doing it for almost twelve months. Like if this is what it's got to be for another six months then I'll, I personally won't be going back to the ground until it's back to some sort of normality. Interesting. I think it, I think what, what'll end up happening is that um, the initial trial, well, it's almost like a trial phase really, isn't it? That you, know, you can get 2,000 in or you can get 4,000 in. I think they, once they prove that that is a viable thing, it will, it, and they, there isn't a rise in cases related to, you know, football stadiums being open and whatnot. I think we're we're looking at you know being back in stadiums probably sooner than we think if as long as this goes well. Um, the, I mean, the, the, there's a there's a there's a paradox to everything at the moment, and the th- simple fact of the matter is, in a couple of weeks' time, I'll be on a, a Saturday league pitch or a Sunday league pitch, you know, playing football next to blokes and running into them and accidentally spitting all over them and that kind of stuff. But I can't stand next to someone two meters away from me in in a half empty molly. Like it just it doesn't it doesn't sit well. There's no lot sound logic to any of it to me. I'll be honest. Um, so on that basis, I'm more than comfortable to go back because I'm going to be playing football in the next couple of weeks. But you're right. I, I don't know how much a two thousand full Molyneux actually. It'll be it'll feel like an academy game, wouldn't it? It's, it? I don't know how much of an impact it would have on the team. I think it will if we, if we have a full stadium, hundred percent. You know, you can see 
teams lose momentum in games, you know, they might be chasing a result or whatever. Yeah, a full stadium, like we said, you know, football's played by humans. You can't help but be impacted by the environment that, that's around you. And, you know, when you've got 60, as, as Arsenal might have had, 60,000 fans probably screaming negative things at them, actually, um, would have. <laughs> Would have maybe lost even more than they did today, <laughs> but frozen into you know just you know making mistakes. But you know that's all part of the game as well. You know fans can have a negative impact, so it's um, it'll definitely have an impact when we all get to come back. Personally, for me, I think the, the impact of fans in a full stadium is is more on the extremes of a game. Either if a team's performing horrendously, the the, the crowd will often become a negative and make them perform. In a, in a likewise way, it's very much kind of positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement, the way that fans impact on players. In terms of me wanting to be in the stadium, um, I'd like to be there purely from, you know, what watching on the TV is, is absolutely fine. Um, and I, I, I don't really buy into this. Well, I'm not interested because I'm not in the stadium. I mean, grow up. You, you, it's, you, I, don't, I don't see that as a thing. If, if you enjoy, you know, just because I can't watch friends being filmed doesn't mean i enjoy it any less because i'm watching it on the telly do you know what i mean you, you're still watching an entertainment piece so I, I don't buy into that and i think that's just more of a not hipster i don't really know what the word is like it's kind of the flavor of the month kind of opinion on that trying to be diverse and relevant exactly thank you um so for me i i, I want to get back into it and i, I but the match day experience for me isn't necessarily the football in itself. It's the social element. It's the having the beers. It's the enjoying those emotions around everybody else. And I do miss that. Um, but I'm not, you know, if I was offered a ticket for the next home game, I'd, I'd take it. I wouldn't have any qualms about taking it though. I just, not, I, my expectations wouldn't be the same in terms of the experience I'd have, but I'd still want to go. Yeah. And I think that the, the problem is though, obviously You've seen to highlight back onto the London clubs that they've, you know, they're having two thousand fans in there, and then Tottenham are trying to charge sixty-five quid. Yeah. Chelsea are trying to charge seventy-five quid, and you're like, what? You know, and that that's the thing. Are you do you really want to go? Well, I know London is completely different to you. Like, if I really want to go and watch a Wolves game, I'm going to spend whatever money I wanted to. But I'm not spending, or I don't think it's a sound investment to spend seventy-five quid to watch your team in a what, 20th of the stadium being full, sitting there in a face mask and having seats around it. No, what's the point? And if that's what happens at Wolves and they, and they charge it at that level, I can't see fans being asked and going... I can't, I can't see fans paying that amount of money to go in Wolverhampton. I'm just being... That's just... Maybe I'm being yeah. blindsided, but I don't think people are paying that money. You're not, but... I- you know, fans have been mugged off for years now. It's, it's, it's been the case for a long time that there will always be... And you're talking a small number of fans, really, 2,000. There will always be 2,000 fans that will pay that money for it to go and go back to the stadium. It's just a, a case of, you know, people have been doing it for years, really. I think, you know, we've been priced out of football in, in quotation marks for a long time, but we, we keep going back for war just because we almost don't know any different. Um, yeah, I, I, I certainly didn't know what to do my weekends when it, all of a sudden football had to stop. It was It was really hard to kind of, figure out my Saturday afternoon now like what the fuck what the fuck are you supposed to do it's, um, I'm going to have to talk to my yeah. wife yeah. <laughs> Ikea let's hope, let's hope she doesn't listen to this <laughs> oh no chance no chance <laughs> she's too busy uh, sorting you out a lovely simply cooked meal yeah exactly. but there's, there's going to be fans that will that will probably decide not to go to the games just because well they won't be able to go for the few beers beforehand and stuff like mm. that 
you know, it's there's little things like that. And I just think, what are you actually going for then? Are you supporting the club really? Or is it just an excuse to go and see your mates and things? I, I don't really, I find it a bit odd. And it's, you know... It, like one of those like who, like, who, who, like, they're there in the pub until, like, 10 to 3. They're there. And don't, get, past, don't, don't, don't get to the seat till 5, 10 past. And then, then yeah, 22, I mean. they're down the concourse it, getting half-time beers. It's 10 past 3. You know, some, some of these people, <laughs> I've, I've seen people stood in the concourse and watch the entire game on the screen in the concourse. And you think, oh, what the hell are you playing at? Is it, I find it really odd. And yeah, it's mad. There's a game going on, literally. Down, down that frigging staircase there, guys. Have you, have you not noticed? <laughs> and it's bizarre. Yeah, human beings are a special bunch, aren't they? But, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, I think that's probably um, a good place to leave it. Good chat, good hustle, guys. Um, so, as ever, if you want to listen to uh, and see what we do uh, on a regular basis, please go and onto YouTube, uh, search for Wolf's Bank Cash. You'll find us there. Please like and subscribe. And also feel free to delve into our, our back catalogue of podcasts. We will find all sorts of, uh, of our series like Stories from the Pack, the Alternative Hall of Fame, and also our recent uh, mental health uh, podcast, which we've put out, which um, I'm glad to say got some really good feedback. So please go and take a listen to that. But all I have to say is a goodbye from our ensemble. So, George, say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Up the walls. Matt. Take it easy, guys. Stay safe. And from Gully. See you, guys. I'm off to watch some AFTV YouTube videos now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Take care, and we'll catch you later.